The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Sibia Debra. She is an author, entrepreneurial, motivational speaker, and millennial lifestyle contributor. Her new book, Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain, teaches health practitioners to help individuals suffering from pain with natural, non-drug, evidence-based remedies based on their personality type. Sibia, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Rebecca. And that was a long title, so you did a great job with that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so what, what made you get involved with writing about uh, pain? Well, aside from, you know, it, the opioid epidemic right now and how bad it is, um, I struggled with pain growing up. Um, and this was more on the emotional side. Uh, I had very... I struggled with anxiety, um, and I didn't know what it was until um, my early 20s, and it was something that I was very passionate about growing up, because I knew that it was, it was it, I wouldn't say it was chronic, but it was constant. It, it, you know, it prevented me from learning in school, and um, it had, it, it affected my entire life, so getting into this project was more than just writing a book. It was, you know, actually helping people with the treatment side um, and what happens after a long period of time. So, um, you know, you mentioned the, the opioid epidemic. Can you just explain that what that is? Sure. Uh, right now, pain medications are um, going through the roof. Um, people are being prescribed medication that they don't really need. And in addition to that, uh, they are being prescribed pain medication uh, by doctors um, who are, instead of using a complementary or alternative approach or, or just giving out prescriptions. Um, right now, over 100 million Americans suffer from pain. I mean, it's, it's beyond that. that. Those were even statistics from, you know, as much as five years ago. Uh, and pain costs over $700 billion per year. Um, that is still something that is on the rise, and the figures are just absolutely outrageous. Um, in addition to that, most people are not actually feeling better. <laughs> um, and, that, and that is the biggest concern of all. Well, you know, it is a concern because if we're spending that much money, you know, $7 billion, um, why aren't people feeling better? I mean, what's happening that, that so many people are in pain? <laughs> what was that? 700, $700 billion. 
in, yeah. in, in, in terms of chronic pain and pain in, as a whole, um, that, which is, yeah. And what was, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, the, it just seems um, um, ridiculous that, that we're spending that much money and people are, are still in pain. There's obviously something missing in the system because um, I know a lot of people also end up um, staying in pain. They have chronic pain and they're just managing it and they're losing a lot of their lives. I know in your book, I can't remember the statistic, but you talk about how much of our, our lives are spent in pain as well. So we miss, you know, a lot of what, what we shouldn't be missing. Yes, and uh, by no means am I, am I asking people to get off their pain medications because everyone is different, and it, I would suggest that it's on an individual basis. You know, all healthcare is and should be. Um, but there are alternative and complementary measures that need to be taken in, uh, you know, the field, and right now doctors are not trained to prevent illness and pain. They are, they are trained to treat. So there's a huge difference between those two factors um, today. Um, and those are most doctors. You know, there's, there's plenty of doctors out there who are aware of this and are diligently working towards finding a common ground um, in the medical industry, in the pharmaceutical industry, which is, you know, part of all of this. Um, and, well, I, you know, I found it interesting yeah. in your book, I, I believe you said that doctors are only trained in, in how to treat pain for eight hours. Yeah. And, and then that, I think that's and pretty you, significant. If you look at the yeah. back of the Tylenol bottle, that is, that is usually the, the, the given amount of, you know, do not take more than, you know, specified dosage in the amount of eight hours. Um, or 24-hour period, um, if you know you do the math correctly. But um, yeah, they are they are not trained to prevent, um, and they are tr- you know trained for the most part to diagnose um, and and just give out um, medication. So aside from medication, is there any other route that um, you know our standard medical doctor will take to help somebody with pain? Yes. You know, they, they ultimately will go through a series of questions. Um, they should. And based on those questions, they can also identify other factors. But this is very limited and it is, it is not practiced as much as it should be. Um, and that goes for my own personal experience and close, you know, people in my family and relatives that have gone through this as well as statistics and the general data of, you know, the healthcare system right now. We have people who are, you know, giving out prescriptions and pain medications and they are not um, giving out the, you know, proper protocol of other measures that um, are just as effective um, at treating their symptoms. Uh, For example, you know, if you have chronic back pain instead of, you know, I I know you mentioned uh, um, chiropractic and at some point during our conversation previously, and you know that's one thing that that can be take you know taken advantage of, and it's really not. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, it also seems to me like a lot of the alternative things, maybe they're afraid of them or they don't understand them because they're, they're not only are they not recognized, but I often hear people um, can't tell their doctor or you know they get told not to go. 
you know, not to, to go to a visit yeah, at all. To, you know, not to, not to get chiropractic or not to do some of the alternative things because they're, they're, the doctor doesn't understand them, it seems, and knows that it might be able to help them. Yes, definitely. Um, and that also ties into the educational system right now and how people are educated and, and doctors are educated. Um, and it's unfortunate that... Uh, you know, it's something that I've been bringing to light for years now that we need, you know, a new standard and uh, new procedures to follow, new protocols to follow. Yeah. So when when we're talking about pain, and I know you mentioned that you had had anxiety as well, and it, um, I think you said you didn't recognize it until you were older, which a lot of people don't. Um, you know, if they grow up with anxiety, they think that's a normal way of thinking. They don't even know how to what it is until someone explains yes. to them, right? So how how is this all affecting people overall in their lives, so that anybody listening can actually recognize that what they're experiencing isn't normal? Well, I like to explain anxiety and pain in this way, which, um, you know, is is part of also the spiritual revolution of um, the 21st century. And and it's kind of like an awakening as well. Um, But anxiety is the future and the pain is the past. And when you are living in the past and you're, you know, that is one way that pain is, you know, brought into illness is when your thoughts and your emotions and, you know, and then the future is anxiety and that is in a constant, you're not present, you know, your heart may be racing, uh, you may be having racing thoughts. Um, everything is, is, a, is a little bit jumbled and uh, you're just really not present and that's where the both of them um, are two extremes on, you know, a lot, you know, on two different sides of the spectrum, and in order to get into that point, you know, the present moment is really what makes you uh, more deliberate in choices, uh, you know, even in health, and what you do on a daily basis to to um, contradict those two. And I find that you know, pain and anxiety and that retrospect and more of the energetic form of feeling it and feeling it and feeling it. Those feelings are what harbors illness. And that's, you know, I'm in my, in my <laughs> experience um, in life in general. Um, and what I'm most passionate about is, is identifying these factors in people and really helping them see these factors. And it's kind of like a preventative uh, measure that is taken to also prevent illness and chronic pain and acute pain and all types of pain um, when it is prevented at this measure. So um, in your in your, your book title is Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain, Keys to Treatment Based on Your Emotional Type. So what is the emotional type? So the emotional type in basic terms um, basically links you to 12 common chronic conditions. Um, You know, it was first brought about um, very long time, you know, in the the later 90s. And um, it should be uh, something that people look into because a lot of people have found a common ground with it. Um, It's, you know, the boundaries are more than a measure of, you know, characteristics. such as like introversion and extroversion, um, it's it's 
you know, basically how the pe- person identifies and handles the energy of feelings, and um, it evaluates how we function. Um, then boundary types, for example, are highly sensitive in the ways we um, react from an early age. We, re- we you know, those t- then boundary types react more strongly than other individuals to um, stimuli in general, um, and they respond more strongly to physical and emotional pain. Um, basically, they are very intuitive, and they are, you know, as we like to say, a walking antenna. Um, fixed boundary types, on the other hand, are more rigid and thick-skinned. Um, they tend to brush aside emotional, uh, you know, indifferences and hardships than handling the actual situation. But experiments have actually shown that thick boundary types don't actually feel their feelings any less than thin boundary types. Um, they just, it's more of their presentation of how they handle those feelings. So the difference in that retrospect in terms of feelings would be thin boundary types are more prone to, you know, expressing as in, in contrast with the thick, which kind of bury their feelings. And of course, you know, go, going back to what I said earlier, these are precautions, you know, really understanding yourself and where you see yourself um, emotionally will help you determine your thin or thick boundary type. Also, if you're in the middle and what you can do to prevent um, certain ailments and uh, pain, for example, that maybe, you know, harboring and delaying your growth as a human being. <laughs> really. So, um, how does somebody go about figuring out what type they are? Well, so, you know, the boundary concept, it was developed, as I said, in the, the, you know, the 1990s and uh, by Ernest Hartman of Tufts University. And it, you know, his way of, of looking at personality differences and understanding the way that a person may develop a chronic illness um, in the long run um, is very distinct and it can be done online. You know, actually a colleague of mine created a book, Your Emotional Type, which is way more um, specific in the context of these two and I highly recommend by Mike Char and Mark McCosey. Um, and this really um, refers, you know, his definition, Ernest Hartman, really went into the personality trait concerning the degree of separateness between um, or connection between the mental functions um, and processes. So he, he you know, that was um, his definition. And we, again, um, like to examine boundary types as more of, more of like a measure of introversion and extroversion or close openness and close mindedness were more into, um, you know, the boundary type that will uh, ultimately identify, you know, what that person is on a whole basis rather than just picking and choosing. Um, for example, you know, I did say introversion and extroversion, but there was really no correlation to that. A lot of thin boundary types can be extroverted as well as thick. Okay. 
Um, so is there certain treatments that work better for each boundary type? Yes, there are. Um, I would say um, that, you know, thick boundary types are more uh, prone to dealing uh, with their pain on a hands-on approach. That's meditation. I mean, I'm sorry, it's uh, <laughs> acupuncture or massage. Um, I love meditation, so that's something, you know. I, I do have to say, though, meditation is definitely something to be considered between both boundary types. Um, and then thin boundary types are actually more in the imagery-based or guided um, imagery and hypnosis. Um, but uh, in terms of, like, meditation, yoga, and mindfulness, I am huge on all three. I actually like Bikram Yoga, um, and I'm, I've been practicing it for years. I would recommend all boundary types um, to, to really get into um, all three of those. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Sibia Debra. She is the author of Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain. So we're going to be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Sibia Debra. She's the author of the book, Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain. So, Sibia, we talked about the, the personality types, the boundary types, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, we're, we're not um, static, and, and I'm wondering if there are certain times where, where this can change for us. Yes. Uh, we were just talking about that. Um, I actually have found, and this is this is others as well as myself, that when you are going through certain, you know, a certain amount of stress, I have noticed that, you know, I, I, I was mid-range maybe two or three years ago, and when I went through more stress, um, it fluctuated. My test scores fluctuated, and what I was dealing with at that time and how I was dealing with it, um, they, you know, determined, uh, you know, different results on the boundary type. And I find that very interesting because we are more prone to, um, you know, deal with and handle stress based on our coping mechanisms in the past. When we're, when we're put through an extraordinary amount of stress, that can push us to react in different ways and handle things in different ways. For example, instead of being overly expressive about it, if you're too expressive and you find that that is not working, one can become actually stoic and more um, you know, not expressive, um, almost like, you know, they've given up and that, you know, that harbors illness in a completely different way than I would say the expressive and that can also change and fluctuate. So I would be very mindful of that. It's not something that actually is stated, um, or is brought up, but, um, it, it, it is definitely something to keep in touch with. You know, we're all very intuitive beings and I think it's very important that if we are going through an extremely hard time, um, and you guys, you know, everyone decides to buy this book. Um, you know, generally speaking, I, th- I think everyone is going through a very hard time. <laughs> you know, I'm in New York. Uh, there's a lot of changes going on. Uh, that can actually, you know, make the uh, score, I would say, different. And it might be a big difference. It might be a little bit of a difference. But I would, I would definitely keep that in mind. Okay. So can you just explain what stress is and how that affects us? Boy. (laughs) Well, um, you know, stress can be explained in a multitude of ways. You know, everyone deals with stress differently. Everyone has, you know, feels differently when they're stressed out. Um, But on a broader scale and a general, um, you know, terminology and I think common view is it's really... Um, a mobilization of the fight, flight, or freeze response. That is something new that, um, you know, you're either um, going into a situation, your adrenaline is up and pumping, um, you are retracting, you're kind of dismissing and, and flight, you know, you're, and then the freeze response is, is kind of um, just you're frozen. And, that's, and that is another, you know, uh, response to stress that is pretty much still new um, and still being talked about, um, but in, you know, a normal stress, everyday life should be distinguished between normal and stress that's like overloading you. So we, you know, you can be stressed out and motivated in a sense. I wouldn't say stressed out, you can be stressed and motivated. Um, however, you can also have a stress that is completely overloading you and, and preventing you from doing work. Uh, it can make you more tired. Um, your your energy levels are very low, and you know you might have tightening of the chest, pain, uh, difficulty breathing. 
um, in the long run, chronic stress, if you're feeling this on an everyday basis, um, it just shuts down your immune system and um, your body. And what that does, it really, that's when, when chronic stress it becomes a problem because then chronic stress can lead to chronic pain. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I always think it's good to talk about stress. I mean, it's definitely not the first time on the show that we have, but um, there's, I'm always surprised how many people don't realize how stressed they are until, um, you know, they some you know, gets pointed out to them or it changes and then they're like, oh, I was really stressed and I didn't know. So I just think it's really important to talk about what that looks like and um, how it's affecting you. And then, of course, coping strategies so you can start to recognize it and then work through it so it doesn't become chronic pain or fatigue or all the other things that can happen after. Definitely. I completely agree with you. And I think you know, I think through, uh, you know, we're kind of going through also a spiritual evolution right now of meditation and yoga and mindfulness. Those are all practices I highly recommend for anybody. Uh, mindfulness is doing something. You know, it is a difference between meditation and mindfulness. Mindfulness, you're actually, uh, you know, focusing on something, but you're being mindful. So in the sense, you're in the present moment, but you're, but you're actually doing something. Meditation is you're more retracted and you're in the state of consciousness um, that, uh, you know, there's so many different types of meditation. Um, I personally have found heart-centered meditation and transcendental meditation to be really powerful. Um, someone who is new to meditation, I would highly recommend looking into repeating affirmations in your mind or concentrating, you know, as much as on a dot, that, you know, on a wall. And at least you're looking at something. Um, everyone can practice meditation. It's not something that you cannot do. Um, when you say you cannot do it, you won't be able to do it the more you say you cannot do it. <laughs> but it's actually really good for the mind to relax and not have any thoughts. Um, and if you are visualizing something, um, for example, even in the law of attraction, I'm going to step into that right now, uh, that is, and that's something that I think we're going to get into later on is visualization, but it's really a state um, of mind that will really, really help you in the long run. Um, and transcendental meditation is something I really do uh, see everyone doing. It's helped a lot of people. And it's continuing to help a lot of people, um, including veterans with PTSD. Um, and it's very simple. It's not as difficult um, the way they practice it as, um, you know, uh, it makes can you, can you just explain what makes it more simple than what people are thinking? Sure. Uh, transcendental meditation is um, a unique meditation approach that you basically, you know, you can, you can be trained by a practitioner. Um, or a meditation teacher uh, that is in this field, uh, you sit down and they give you a word based on your, um, you know, who you are and what you've been through. The word is meaningless. It has no meaning. So essentially, you know, you are repeating a specific word over and over again that has no meaning, so there's no attachment. Um, For example, if I repeated mom, over and over again, I would think of my mom and maybe have an emotional attachment. This, in a sense, is repeating a sound with no uh, attachment, no meaning. And from doing this, you enter into kind of like a trance where you 
um, just become more silent on the inside and more aware. Um, and then your, you know, advanced meditators just, it, it is, it is a very powerful way to connect to your subconscious as well. Um, and eventually just, um, you know, helps with your, your uh, cognition overall, improves clarity of situations, relationships, um, and, and overall relaxes you um, and puts you in a deep state of uh, consciousness. So is there um, a certain amount of time somebody should spend every day doing it? I would recommend an hour. Not everyone has an hour. So if you're taking, you know, if you're working all day, I, I would recommend, you know, even as little as 15 minutes. People have done it in five minutes. And, you know, once you start doing it on a regular basis, um, that is something that, you know, you can go up to an hour. In the beginning, you know, I, I really tried sitting still for an hour. This was over eight years ago, and it was very difficult um, uh, because I was not introduced to transcendental meditation as my first practice. It was a different type, um, but I would suggest if you do really get into this, um, you can do it every day for an hour. That That is the minimum, I would say. Okay, um, and um, just like what you said, you had trouble in the beginning doing an hour. Is there a way people can, um, you know, start with a smaller amount of time and work their way up to that just so it's easier and they don't get frustrated maybe? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I was introduced actually just into a completely different meditation. It wasn't transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation, you can, people have, have learned to practice it within a half hour uh, who have never been introduced to it. Um, it it's, it's way more easier, the approach. Um, but in general meditation, sitting and stopping the mind is, is very difficult for people. Um, just in a general meditation standpoint. And that's why people get a lot of, you know, they become frustrated right away and they're like, I can't do this. Um, as your first, you know, meditation practice, I would definitely look into transcendental meditation if that is you. Okay. And you mentioned earlier about visualization. Um, what, what does that mean? So visualization in the, you know, in, in terms of what I had mentioned it um, before, um, is, is law of attraction in, in terms of like just visualizing what you want and seeing an image in your head, you know, that can be, um, you know, used in the book as a very, as a, as a relaxation technique. You are, you know, the same thing as when you, you know, I know people who have gone to the doctor and they're like, pretend you're on the beach. Not, that doesn't work for everyone, right? But um, if you have... Um, you know, unconscious thoughts that become conscious in the effort to, um, you know, that that's part of it as well. Guided mental imagery um, can really help the subconscious um, because you are, uh, you know, seeing certain images um, and visualization is more of a conscious thought process. And it's, and I would say it's it's like the law of attraction in a sense. You are directed towards self-improvement and you are directed at what you can do in your life to make your life better. And that overall, okay. I, I believe, is relaxing for everyone. If you're in a certain situation that you don't like, um, you can visualize yourself out of it and you make better decisions based on that. Um, law of attraction to me is not something vibrating towards you. You know, you're not, you're not thinking of it every day and then all of a sudden it appears. Visualization in, in the sense of, of illness 
and in spirituality is, is um, first of all, two different things in the sense that um, you're helping your pain and the perception of pain by visualizing yourself in a circumstance that might not be favorable to you. And then in terms of, you know, the more spiritual sense, um, it is helping you get to where you want to go. If that makes sense. Well, just explain the the spiritual sense, because I know that that means um, something different to everybody. In your book, you talk about spiritual healing, and um, maybe just elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. So, uh, you are visualizing um, a conscious thought process, such as, um, you know, something that you need to work on right now. Um, If you have... Um, back pain, for example, and you are visualizing um, happy thoughts, maybe not negative thoughts, that can actually change your perception of pain. Um, spiritual he- healing, on the other hand, is um, you know it is more of the unknown, um, at least what we can measure today in terms of uh, you know the scientific instruments that we do have. Um, but we have seen that you know our our uh, consciousness and awareness and um, our ability to meditate can all be measured. Um, you know, we have electromagnetic fields, so it can be measured, um, you know, and for example, Reiki and uh, the spiritual healing, that all, all ties into, you know, what is measured, what is not. Um, even though there's been studies that have promoted Reiki and spiritual healing, um, you know, there's still there's still lack of equipment. I would say in the scientific community that um, is kind of delaying um, the spiritual sense of healing um, because it is still getting introduced um, into that field and that specialty. Um, and I'd like to see that happen in the 21st century. For you know, I I really um, have seen great results with um, positive thinking, spirituality, and um, putting that together as a whole. Um, you know, in a holistic practice or in a different setting, alternative and complementary practice as well. Well, I, I think that, you know, it's an important topic. There's a, a lot of um, talk in the last year about mindfulness, which is where a lot of what we just spoke about, you know, is kind of in that category of of bringing, you know, awareness to yourself. And especially if you're really stressed and, and the emotional part of the stress is contributing to your pain or causing it, then, um, you know, you need to be aware that that is happening and then have um, methods to be able to work on that as well. Yes, definitely. Um, So um, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to be back shortly. We're talking with Sibia Debra. Um, She is the author of Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain. We'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. What causes us to be sick? 
We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, today we're talking with Sibia Debra. She's the author of Overcoming Acute and Chronic Pain. Uh, so, Sibia, um, one of the things in your book that you do talk about is hypnosis. Can you just go into detail about what that is? Yes. <clears throat> now, I, I coughed for a reason. <laughs> a lot of people think of hypnosis and they're like, oh, that is completely, you know, a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Um, and, you know, it hasn't really been identified in the scientific community the way it has, I would say, most definitely in recent years. And that is due to the, the technology that we have. Um, I would, you know, a, a lot of, of scholars like to think of it and it has been proven in recent, you know, just as last year in Stanford uh, University, um, that is a neurobiological phenomenon. You know, it it is not uh, a way of losing control. A lot of people are in fear that they just completely lose control when they're, if they're, you know, uh, under the hypnosis spell, for example. Um, But it is a way of teaching people to enhance their control over their brains and their bodies. Um, it's completely underutilized in healthcare, and um, you know it's a, a, a completely viable option um, and alternative to painkillers, um, which obviously, as we talked about earlier in the discussion, that you know it's it's addictive to millions of people. Pain pain medications um, are completely uh, very addictive, and they affect people. Um, you know, accidentally, you know, there's, there's drug overdoses um, and intentionally, um, such as suicide. So those are, you know, it's something that, you know, the alternative treatments are something that I'm really all for, and hypnosis is one of them. Um, you know, Stanford School of Medicine had a study uh, last year to see what was really happening when they were under hypnosis. Um, and they have shown that hypnosis is just not something that 
it cannot be measured or it, you know, uh, they took 57 participants and really um, had them on, you know, in brain scans showing that, um, you know, when you are thinking about something under hypnosis, you are in better control of how your body responds to that thought. So if you are thinking about something stressful, you also might be feeling that you're floating and you're completely comfortable as opposed to having anxiety and pain over that, um, which is very important. Um, I, I, I think that uh, it is also important to note that um, as a whole, about two-thirds of people are more susceptible to hypnosis um, and has been used to treat, of course, pain and anxiety and uh, PTSD, um, which, is, which is really big in veterans. Um, and other suffering from traumatic events. Okay, so can you just explain um, how hypnosis, like the process of it and how it's, what it's doing? Sure, um, hypnosis is basically a state uh, where um, you are uh, basically just um, in an unconscious, not unconscious, I'm sorry, but um, under the control of, of someone else who is um, basically um, the phenomenon of just really digging into your subconscious and <clears throat> uh, allowing those thoughts and uh, any reactions that you have that are programmed in your mind to come out and um, be dealt with in a very uh, non-scary uh, way, maybe how you perceive it as scary. Okay, and is there a certain um, boundary type that, that responds better to hypnosis? Yes, uh, thin, the, the, definitely the thin side of the boundary spectrum are more able to identify with their feelings, you know, and, and this type of um, technique works well. Okay, um, so in your in your book, you've also talked about um, other things that I mean, everything we've we've spoken about so far is visualization. It's all in your in you know working with your mind, um, which is really important because we need to change how the nervous system is responding to pain. But um, there are um, other types as well um, that you or other types of therapies that you recommend in your book. Um, can you just explain um, how massage and body work can help with pain? Oh, definitely. Uh, well, if you're suffering from, you know, chronic back pain or tension headache, um, you know, massage is something that, you know, millions of people, if not more, are, uh, you know, they need that as a typical way of stress relief. Um, it also increases blood flow. So physical knots and um, you know, as you know, um, meridian points can be blocked. Massage therapy and other forms of body work, um, such as tapping, um, can really alleviate um, pain. Um, and 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 it's something that I would I would suggest for thick boundary types because it's more of a hands-on approach. Um, but I would also, as well as meditation, yoga, and mindfulness, recommend that for everyone. Um, and speaking of, I actually, I, I could use one right now. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say that, you know, it's, it's, you know, when people think of massage, they think of their backs. Um, they think of their shoulders. They think, they think of their, you know, lower back pain. Um, and that actually goes hand-in-hand hand with chiropractic 
um, professions because you're aligning the spine. If you can get someone who is, who is a specialization in both massage and chiropractic work, that would be great. Um, everyone slouches. Uh, that is something that, you know, we're sitting nine hours a day at times. A lot of companies um, actually, you know, in this millennial generation that are coming out that are new are more focused on the person and their well-being. And, you know, they, they will uh, give a step in for health care that is, um, you know, or take more breaks, you know, get up. There's, there's yoga on site. There's meditation on site. Um, now, these are companies that are being started in this generation that are, you know, I would say everyone is flocking to because healthcare is, is huge, of course, as we know, epidemic in the United States. Um, but for the most part, everyone, you know, a lot of managers, they're just like, you need to sit. I even saw one ad, I remember a few years ago that said, if you cannot sit um, for the entire eight hours without getting up, you know, just for lunch, then you cannot work here. And I find that just like, that, that is just unacceptable. Uh, when you're sitting, that alone, as, we can, as we've seen in, in tons of studies, just is horrible for your health. And when you're slouching, it reduces the amount of air in your lungs when you're breathing. So that also has, you know, tremendous effects in the long run. And um, your brain isn't being, you know, you're, you're not using your brain at your, the, the potential that it has. Um, when you're not sitting up straight or if, you know, you're, you're sitting for most of the day. You know, creative, uh, creative um, intelligence comes, you know, and, and working more efficiently comes from taking breaks. Um, well, that, it, that, you know, it it's an interesting thought. You have to sit for eight hours. I mean, there are now um, offices that will give people desks that they can stand at. And um, I think it's in, in Finland, but in one of the Scandinavian countries, they just shortened work hours in some countries to six hours because people will actually, yeah, they'll they'll be more effective um, in, in their job because they're not sitting there. I mean, most of us, when I used to work um, office jobs, I didn't work eight hours. Hours. You know, there's a, a certain period of time where you you just have to have your brain take a break. And if you have to be sitting there, you're just going to tune out and pretend for a while. And I think everybody can relate to this because it's um, we just can't do something for eight hours straight without um, taking a mental and physical break from it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And going back to what you said about Finland, I was just going to, to that was on the tip of my tongue and you just took it out. <laughs> that I'm so great. I'm so happy you brought it up because, um, you know, Finland has a huge amount of success right now with their children being top performers in the country um, and are some of the smartest kids because they get to be kids. They, they, they're in school for two hours a day and for the majority of the day they're being creative and they're playing and they're using their imagination. So, you know, in terms of all this, you know, mental work and mind, body, um, and visualization, all these approaches together, this, this is definitely telling us something, you know, as a society, especially in the United States where, you know, you're working all the time and that is more of the entrepreneurial spirit and the spirit in general you know I'm in New York and uh, that you know no one eats breakfast everyone's on the run and they're consuming Starbucks and you know it's this kind of mentality that's just is is not going to heighten um, or you know advance us as much as it will if we really take the time to understand what our bodies need what our mind needs and practice some of um, 
what the other countries are doing right now because obviously it's working. <laughs> well, you know, and, and when you when you mentioned Starbucks, which and that the that made me think of how also everybody's eating, which is also contributing to their pain and stress. Is everything is fast, which is also the same problem with our treatment for pain because we want a quick fix. So we want the medication, we want it to go away, and we don't want to deal with it. And most people, unless they've had a serious injury, can look at their chronic pain and go, "That was creeping up over years." while I was really stressed and working 60, 70 hours a week sitting at a desk and then all of a sudden now my back is out and I can't get it sorted and I have this chronic pain or whatever has happened. And and then, so we spent years creating the pain and then we want this quick fix with this medication, which as we mentioned earlier, isn't working and people are still in pain. So it, it seems to me that we just need to take everything in a different direction where, first of all, we're not creating that to happen and you know other parts of life become important rather than just working hard like taking care of ourselves and taking time to make meals and taking downtime um, which is a you know conversation I have with people a lot um, you know just take 10 minutes a day where you're not doing anything not watching TV not you know maybe reading a book but not stimulated in any way and and they can't fathom doing that they feel guilty or, you know, they just want to do something with purpose as they, you know, I've been told before. And, and to me, that's creating some of the problems. Absolutely. And I would, I love that you mentioned purpose because a lot of people feel like they need to do something in order to feel accomplished, like physically do something. Um, And that is, 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 is totally not true. Um, and that's why a lot of people don't feel like they are accomplishing anything in meditation. Um, you know, mindfulness might be something that most people practice and they're, they're, they're okay with it because mindfulness is, is actually doing something or being present. But meditation is just sitting down and, and uh, you know, that whole, that whole um, view of it is, is false because you're working your mind and that is the ultimate instrument in your entire body. It dictates everything. Your involuntary you know, immune responses, your, your uh, voluntary immune responses, um, you know, and, and a bigger, you know, a bigger uh, thing to discuss, maybe on another phone call as well, is inflammation. And that was something I brought up, um, a, you know, a lot in, in another book that was just really common pain conditions. Um, and inflammation is, is pretty much the start of the, you know, illness. Inflammation is the beginning, is is where everything, um, you know, kind of falls apart. It's when you're under chronic inflammation, that's where illness can harbor even more so. Um, so, you know, if you are, like you said, you're physically injured, that's one thing, you know, that you need to take the proper steps for that. Um, however, if you are under a constant stress or you're having anxiety or you're not giving your body rest, sleep, another huge thing, you know, um, your, your body is more prone to being... Um, you know, targeted in a, in a, in a more harmful way, um, and stress increases inflammation. So does you know nutrition as a whole other part of it, um, and you want to be careful with that as well. Um, and I know we got into the the vitamin part of the book as well. And I would say that one of the biggest things that I've learned, um, the number one vitamin that I would suggest taking is B12. <laughs> I mean, there's tons of vitamins. Trust me, there's tons of supplements, uh, but B12 has really helped with energy levels and and um, just, you know, configuring all of that out. Um, but supplements, the whole other, 
an entire new, a new ball game as well. You want to make sure you're taking the right brand, you know, uh, just two years ago. Um, and last year, they had this huge thing with the supplement companies not uh, putting the right ingredients in the, you know, supplements listed and the ingredients listed, for example, on Ginkgo, they had, you know, like dried beans that were processed in there. And and if we're relying on supplements and we are not educated on the brands or what's being put out there, you know, it kind of, it, it's, it's a little um, discouraging to, you know, because, you know, especially if you are working all the time, what brands... Uh, can you trust? Um, and in the long term, you know, going back to inflammation, and you know, another big thing is allergies. If you're taking a supplement and there's ingredients listed in it that are not really in it, or it's completely something, it's com- something completely different. That over time is going to affect you, and it's it it, it really needs to be addressed very very you know like now. Like yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree. I mean, in Canada, we have very strict rules about supplements. Um, and uh, But, you know, there's still some are better than others. So I always ask people if they um, are uh, taking something different than a brand I recommend to just do the research and make sure that this company is going to, you're not wasting your money, basically. Because yeah. um, supplements are necessary in our world. We're not living the lives that we should. We're too stressed. We don't eat properly. And even if we make those efforts, we're living in very stressful environments in our cities with the pollution and everything else. Definitely. So, so um, if anybody is listening today and they're wanting to get a hold of you or read your book, how can they do that? They can go to my website, which um, I'm going to say my name and, and uh, you know, a lot of people mispronounce it. So you've done a, you've done a, a grandiose job at doing that, but it's cdadebra.com um, and you can you can browse my site. There's a, the link to Amazon. There's also a link to the publisher site. Um, and you can find all the books that have re- recently come out um, and contact me on there as well. Okay. And um, your name is spelled S-E-B-H-I-A-D-I-B-R-A. So cbadibra.com. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. This was a great show. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Okay, thanks so much, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 